Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 225. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Yanofsky. And I'm your boy, Austin Morales. And this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, me and Brett both play Wargroove on the Switch. And I also play Planet Alpha on the Switch. Two little great indie games that we're going to talk all about this, this week. And in the gaming news, League of Legends and Auto Chess and Twitch... It's just this weird combination of things that are changing in the gaming industry, and I don't, just don't know what to think about it. And also, there's some really awesome fans for No Man's Sky. They ended up doing a crowdfunding and made a billboard for uh, Sean Murray, and it was really awesome. So we dive into that, and for our discussion topic, we talk about EA and their surprise mechanics. There was a hearing in the UK... And we get the juicy details of everything that went down. Basically, EA is still shit, so nothing's really changed. And welcome to the It is June 25th, 2019, and it is almost July, and we are in the heat of summer right now here in Texas. It is hot as shit outside. Austin, you're a firefighter. You're used to this. Welcome to the summertime. No, I'm not used to this. This is just too much. It's, you stand in fires all day, man. Yeah. Like that's, that's what you do. Right, yeah, you're I'm used to the fire all the time. Every time I work, it just I'm never out yeah. of fire. No, it's... You know, Texas really isn't that bad when it's hot because usually it's a dry hot, but now it's like humidity hot, and I absolutely hate humidity hot. No, we don't get dry heat here. You need to go to Phoenix for that. That's where it's dry. Yeah, that's moving. where it's super nice. All right, that's it. I'm moving to Phoenix. You hear it, everybody? I'm moving. Yeah, but traffic sucks. Sorry to those that live in Phoenix, but it does. It's not that great. They do have a board game lounge. Oh, no, wait. I heard it closed, so that sucks whole bunch of things just happen and it's just not good anyway everybody welcome to the inner gamer podcast if you enjoy this podcast we would love for you to donate to make the show better and you'll get all kinds of goodies along the way for as little as five dollars you can help support this show so we can keep bringing you all of the highest quality content each and every week and if you're in the dallas fort worth area it is june 25th so i think if my numbers are correct i may or may not be going to a D thing tonight at Martin House Brewery, but we're not hosting it. It's a Martin House thing that's being hosted, but I might be there. I might not be there. We'll see. And then after that, on July 12th, we have an event at Community Brewery. We're back at Community. It's happening. Dallas Indie Game Party is for real, and it's going down, and we'll be there live in the flesh. You heard? You heard. So let's talk about some video games. Yes, please. Oh, so still with me? Okay, good. <laughs> Man, I'm waiting for video games. You've been so quiet. I was just like, oh, maybe he did, he like disconnected or stopped I'll talking. Talk, I left here. you. I left I was just you. like, I'm done. I just can't handle this. All right, Austin, we've been playing a game called Wargroove. I was going to talk about it last week, but we decided to wait because you were going to play it because I thought you'd really like this game. And um, I want to talk about my thoughts on it, and then we'll see what you think about it. But Wargroove is a game that came out on the Switch. I think it's exclusive to the Switch, if I believe. I could be completely wrong, though. Um, but it is a game. No, it's not exclusive to the Switch. It's on multiple platforms. Uh, it's on the Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows. And this is a game that I've kind of fallen in love with more than I thought I would. It is a turn-based strategy game. 
for up to four players. However, I am just playing the story campaign in which you jump in and you fight bad guys in a story. You have a commander and it's turn-based war where you have factions that battle each other and you play for a group called the the Cherry Cherry something. It's Cherry something or another. I forgot the name of the place. Maybe maybe Cherry Stone. Cherry, cherry Stone. There we go. <laughs> Cherry Stone, you're the kingdom of Cherry Stone, and you play as Queen Marcia that must flee her home. Pursued by her foes, the only way to save her kingdom is to travel to new lands in search of allies. So as you're traveling, you find some good guys and you find some bad guys, and there's 12 different characters you can play in this game, and you do actually play some of these characters in addition to fighting these characters. So that's pretty awesome. And you have warring factions, such as the Cherry Stone Kingdom, the Felheim Legion, the Florin Tribes, and the Heavensong Empire. And the campaign mode has lots and lots of missions as well as side missions that you can go about as you're doing the story. But this is a game that has tons and tons of characters or the different unit types. So you start out two sides, two commanders, and then you have some units. And you can capture barracks. You can capture uh, houses. And when you capture those houses, they give you gold every turn. You capture the barracks. You can spawn a uh, unit out of that barracks every turn. Um, you spawn your characters and each character has different advantages and disadvantages such as um, better at taking down buildings, better at you know fighting you know the catapults or they might be slower but they're stronger or one might travel really far and be able to shoot long range like an archer but is also super squishy. So you have to you know weigh the pros and cons of every unit that you're playing. And I really like this game. I've uh, been playing quite a bit of it, and it's it's got this slow, methodical combat where I can sit there and plan out my attacks very carefully. And then whenever I do my attack, it runs, and then I can go and like wash my hands or you know work on something while the other people are d- doing their turn. And then I have as long as I want to sit there and plan my next attack and figure out what I'm going to do, which is awesome. And I actually absolutely love it. So, Austin, you've been playing this as well. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, finally, finally got to jump into it. And <clears throat> I was telling Brett off camera that I, I played a game like similar to this, but it was, um, I guess, kind of based in the future. Has that anime style of uh, graphics and character depictions. And you have tanks and you have soldiers with guns and stuff. And so you're trying to battle it out like that. It's, it was more of a four... Or like one versus one versus one versus one. And uh, it was cool because it was on the Game Boy Advance and me and my friends would play it during art class in high school. We'd pass the Game Boy Advance around and, you know, we had a lot of fun with it. But jumping into this, it's very similar. I enjoy the style of game and I like the unit types. Like I'm excited to see what other levels because I got to the second level and it took me like... 30 to 45 minutes to beat because I, I think there well for at least for the campaign there I think there is a way to beat stuff that you can beat it pretty quick and there's a lot of different ways of actually completing a mission and I enjoy that and having to use that tactical you know know-how to get through navigate these missions and I didn't do it very well and I almost died but I somehow pulled through in the end and uh, I like that, you know, when you move your units around, as they get damaged, you can actually heal them by going to one of your strongholds or one of the uh, villages that you own, and you can heal them for some gold. So there is some, like, uh, 
economic management that you have to take into account for each turn and how you want to pursue stuff and, you know, how much you want to advance and how much you need to stay back and heal your troops and just all that planning is really awesome. But the, the thing for me that really s- didn't really go too well, like sell too well with me is that everything takes a long time for going from one, uh, one phase to the next, having to move your units. And when they attack, there's a cutscene which I like the cutscenes, And then, but all those lag time in between, it just didn't it just everything that took, you know, one mission that took 30 minutes could easily have taken 15 or less, depending on how you uh, just some of those animations and, you know, having to switch over from one uh, your person to the to the enemy's uh, advancement. And yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't know if I could keep playing this game as much as I want to because of that. So mainly just it's just slow for you. Right. Right. And that's kind of the deterrent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting because like I usually that's that's my reaction to games in general. Like it's too slow. So I don't want to play it. And this one, I never really had that issue. I mean, it is a slower pace, but it's like for me, my my thought process was this is just the nature of turn based gameplay because um, I don't really play a lot of turn based games. But the ones that I have played, which I've you know, obviously played Mario versus rabbits and stuff like that. Like that was slow and like, but there wasn't as many units on the battlefield. So I think that has something to do with it a lot as well. Like, whereas in like Mario versus rabbits, you might have three or four characters on your side and the other side has, you know, five, six, seven, but they're not moving as far and they're not, there's not as many factors that come into play in that situation. But in this one, there's so many different factors such as like, you know, I mean, attack sequences for one. Um, there's different types of attack sequences, and then you attack, and there's also the kickback um, attack. You know, where they can fight back if you don't kill them, and then you have the different barriers that affect speed, and like the mountains that affect speed and stuff like that, and then just the sheer number of units. Because as you get further in the game, you get more and more units that are at play, um, so it takes even longer. Um, yeah, I thought that was so, interesting because on the second match where you could start using your heroes, you had to take an account of that. And then um, just I didn't manage my money right. And so I was healing my units more than I was building. And it got to the point where, you know, you have your little war castle that has uh, that allows you to build troops. But if you don't have it and it gets taken over, <laughs> you know, you can't build anything. So I'm like getting money and now I don't have a lot of troops, and then I have to heal my troops because I have to wait multiple rounds before I capture this building. And I was like, man, this is uh, pretty thought out, and I, I, I did enjoy that. Like, that was awesome, like you were saying. Yeah. No, there, there's a lot of really cool stuff that gets introduced later in game. Like, once you get into the the uh, woodlands and stuff like that, they introduce the fog of war mechanic. So whenever you're playing, like, you move your infantry, but you can't see the enemy until you move you get these dogs that have a long range of sight if you put up up on a mountain they can see farther which opens up more of the fog of war so you have to use them as a um, mechanic in the game to see and that's like your goal for victory is to make sure that you have dogs on all the mountains so you can see the vast majority of the map but when you don't you have to pay attention and listen to the sounds to kind of count out how many units that you have to expect on the other side so you don't like the fog of wars there, so you can't see them. But having that, you know, slow timeline helps in that sense because 
then you can hear, okay, there's a giant that has a different sound effect than, say, the infantry, and then the cavalry has a sound effect. So you can listen for, okay, there's two cavalry, there's two giants, there's one swordsman, there's uh, a couple pikesmen, and there's like a couple dogs. So you can you can gauge that by just listening and counting in your head as their feet are moving just by the sound, which I think is really crazy. And um, and that's just like the gist of it, because like later on you unlock trebuchets and you can use trebuchets that are super weak whenever people get to them. But they're so incredibly powerful as long as you space them out right. And like that adds a whole new layer of, of mechanics to it. And then eventually you're going to get like flying creatures and then ships that you can use as well in the water. And I'm just like, there's a lot to this game. And for like the price point, it's amazing how much they were able to cram in here. Um and then you have online co-op, or not co-op, but like four player, like you can have four players in one world and fight each other, which I think is really exciting, which we should do sometime. Yeah, for me, like that's that's like a big better. part. Obviously, like I was saying, that's kind of what I started as, like playing these kind of games is yeah, doing the versus mode. So it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I need to get into it more. It's just, you know, with all the stuff that we have to do and <clears throat> there's so much going on in life, it just... Anything that can speed up some of the stuff we play really, really helps. Yeah. So it's uh, something else that is that I like about it is, um, and I haven't tried this yet, but I'm interested to give it a go. Uh, you can create your own adventures in here. They have a, a tool where you can craft custom maps, cutscenes, and even campaigns using their in-game editors. So you can like create your own new map world and set up all the stuff that you want with the unit placement and the terrain and all that stuff and share that with other people online, which is kind of cool. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of stuff that they put in a thought in this game um, that I like quite a bit. So yeah, I'm reading some of the reviews online that people have said about this game and some are really good and some are also bad because, uh, they are, there are some people that are talking about the slowdowns of stuff and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But um, Advance Wars, was that the game that you played? Maybe. I don't remember what Advanced it's called. Advance Wars. If I okay. saw it, I probably know. Okay. I think that's what it is. Because somebody was saying it's similar to that. And I've never played Advance Wars, but yes, it looks that, like it, might, it was on it. Game Boy Advance. Yep, that's okay. the one. Interesting. Yeah, they are very similar then. So it's like war. That was like a war scenario then. Right. Oh, wow. It's like, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Wow. You did have tanks and stuff and artillery and missiles and, and you just have to place them in the right direction. And yeah. They should do a re- remake of that one. Bring Dude. it bring it out. That would be sweet. I'd be all about that life. Cool. Well, that's uh that's my thoughts on Wargroove. And uh it's a pretty great game. I recommend it to people. I would give it a try. See what you think. Um, and Austin, you've been playing something else in your spare time. I have. I have. So I went on my trip the other week. Uh, to, I went to Canada and Seattle. I was like, this is the perfect time for me to play a game <laughs> on my downtimes just to kind of, you know, you know, have, have, have some fun. Pull out my Switch. I don't actually play my Switch as much as I, I I want to. So I got to jump into Planet Alpha, which is a 3D side-scrolling game. And I was surprised to know that it got a bunch of awards in 2015, 2017, 2018. 
Um, I didn't re- realize it's been around this long, but uh, you can get it on Steam, so I guess it's been around longer than I anticipated. Um, it looks really good. Like I don't know if you've seen it, Brett. Have you seen any of the yeah trailers? Yeah, and I've stuff? watched some. Yeah. yeah, like I'm blown away by what what these devs brought. I mean, for a side scrolling game, usually it's nothing too impressive, but for them to create this world and I'll jump into that in just a second, but it's about uh, an adventure that takes place in a living alien world where you're able to, you have the ability to control day and night. It combines fast platforming, challenging puzzles and stealth movements with the unique art style to create an unforgettable experience. And all that is super accurate. (laughs) So you start as a spaceman and you have to get to, I haven't beat it yet, but you're assumingly trying to get off this planet and it starts off and you like see this, you know, you see the world, you're hopping on cliffs and stuff, full of vegetation and wildlife, flying well things that to soar and gives you like this great depth of like the world that you're in. And you can see trees and terrain and mountains for miles. Um, there's like floating things in the air that eventually you use to traverse the world and they even go down to like the bottom of the forest and you see these uh um dinosaur looking monsters and it's just really stunning to see and i kind of wish i got it on steam and not on the switch because there's just obviously some degradation but as you progress in the story um i mean the mechanics are simple you know there's run right you can jump you can uh duck to hide and move slowly across certain terrain that so enemies can't see you and then you can jump and grab and climb up and they have a lot of interesting puzzles that you have to like figure out how to get through. Um, it's one hit kill, or I guess depending on what hurts you, you, you can almost die in one hit, or you can die in three hits. And um, most of the time, you're dying trying to figure out these puzzles. Like so you get to this one area where you have moving platforms that you have to get onto or jump onto, and you have to time it right to get from one area to the next. Otherwise, you're either going to fall. Or as you're jumping to a platform, you're going to get hit by something that's moving and it'll kill you instantly. And so it's you know very simple. But I was surprised how difficult it was to actually figure out some of this stuff. So I, I mean, it's very Dark Souls in that way where you have to continuously try and try and try again until you figure it out. And it's very Celeste in, in the way that you know you start immediately where you left off. And there's a lot of checkpoints, so it's not like you're starting from you know five minutes back and having to get to the same point and dying and not not keeping that progression going. So the pacing is great. And then uh, some of the enemies that you have are these alien robots that come down on the earth and it seems like they're trying to mine for resources. That's uh, what I got from it. <clears throat> and so you're having to sneak around them and time certain things and they have different uh, enemy types that you know, fly in the air and have giant lasers or they have the ground units that have like mini lasers. So it takes like three hits from them to kill you. And then just, just there's just, it's just a huge spectacle and I've enjoyed every moment of it. Like, I can't believe how good this game is. I thought it was going to be good from the trailer, but man, I was, I was really blown away. So, um, so there's no combat or anything like that. It's just puzzles basically yep. that you're trying to accomplish and evading enemies and stuff like that. But there's no like, bad guys i mean it's just like the wild that you're worrying about essentially right exactly exactly yeah so you wouldn't think a game like that would be so encapsulating and it's it's man it's it's oh is it wait it's not oh i didn't know this was a side scroller Mm -hmm. i was thinking this was like a 
like a from the view behind because the screenshots I was looking at made it look like it was from behind you, um, like a third person no man's sky kind of view, um, but it's not at all. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. This is from the Team Seventeen guys. Oh um, yeah. That worked on publishing ukulele and things like that. Yeah, I love the beauty of this game. I mean, so is it? Yeah. Do you find yourself like what do you feel like the pace is of this game? Because I see a lot of moments where you're like doing really slow stealth maneuvers, and then sometimes you're like running and having to like get away from traps and things like that. So is it more leaning towards the slow, methodical like puzzle solving, or is it more like you know kind of flowing with the world and moving quickly through it? Again, it's it's really good pacing, so it's a good combination. Like you're not doing too much stealth. And uh, I don't want to say you're running through the game, but it keeps up. I mean, the trade, the the back and forth are perfectly timed. So it's not you're not speeding through the game, but you're not, you know, stealthing most of the time either. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, man, it's definitely worth picking up. And I think it's still on sale on the on uh, the eShop on Twitch. I mean, not Twitch <laughs> on the Switch for like thirteen bucks, and it goes for twenty. Oh no, no, I'm taking that back. You know, I don't Did know. Did you what get it's on, on the Switch? For. I got on the Switch. And I got PC? it on sale. It might not. Oh, interesting. Might okay. not be on sale anymore. But so it still looks good on the Switch. Yeah, it still looks great. I mean, you can okay. definitely tell that the graphics aren't on par with some of the screenshots you yeah. might see online. But I mean, it's a great game for the Switch. So, man, I want freaking. Uh, switch to bring out 1080p handheld. I'm telling you, like man. I want that screen to be 1080p so bad. Oh my gosh, dying for <laughs> it, literally dying for it. That's cool though. I want to check this game out sometime. Yeah, man. Um, awesome. Well, then that's gonna wrap it up for the games we played this week. Everybody, you can uh, go back and listen to us talk about Wargroove and Planet Alpha, and it's pretty exciting. And I think we'll probably get some videos out of this too. So if you haven't been following our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash gamer and check out some of our video reviews. If you miss some of the last podcasts, you can just catch up and watch a video review. It's great. And if you want to play games with us each and every week, you can join us on our Discord channel. You can check out that link in the show notes. It is completely free. You don't have to give us a dollar at all, but you can join us. And if you want to give us a dollar, you can do that too because we would love both. That would be great. So come on in. Let's uh, play some video games. We can play some Sea of Thieves. We can play some... Uh, Maybe some division. We can. Uh, you can play with Austin playing Elder Scrolls Online. Um, you can play. Let's let's play Forza Horizon together. There's so many things we can do. It's great. So and tell a friend about this podcast and let them know what they're missing out on because they're missing out a lot, obviously. And stay tuned for our gaming news. We're gonna be right back with more from the Inner Gamer. You're listening to the Inner Gamer. It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. First up today, we have League of Legends has a new game that just dropped. Actually, should I say Riot Games is a new game that just dropped. And there's this thing. I, now, I personally have never heard of this in my life, but apparently it's a thing that's very popular amongst the people in the world of Dota. Um, Auto Chess is a thing that exists. It is a mod that was inside Dota 2. And in this mod, essentially what you do is uh, you are a player that has things run automatically. Um, 
Are you familiar with this, Austin? I have no idea, and I'm watching a video of it right now, and I guess it's cool. <laughs> so apparently, like players spend gold to recruit heroes, and then they compare these heroes with other heroes and combine them with copies of themselves to make their power stronger. And then each round, the heroes duke it out. So they just do a bunch of stuff to their heroes in the recruiting and basically prep phase, and then they let everything happen after that. And then the round's over, and then you go and like increase the power of your heroes and then fight it out again until there's like nobody left. And then until there's like one left standing. Um, so this was a Dota 2 mod that came out last year. And then Valve, later after seeing the popularity of it, announced its own version called Dota Underlords, which actually just came out in open beta yesterday by the time of this recording. Um, or I know, I take that back. Um, today. Today it came out. No, it came out yesterday. It came out Thursday, June 20th. And that is Dota Underlords. And it's basically, literally, they're, what they did with Dota, where they took this mod that became a game and now they're taking another mod of a game that was a mod that became a game and then taking that mod and making another game and they brought that on open beta but then riot decided to do what they tend to do like they did with league of legends which was literally a you know clone of dota but easier more accessible they took auto chess and made team fight tactics which is a more accessible version of auto chess which is the mod in Dota that also has a game coming out called Dota Underlords that is an official version of the mod. And it's just a whole thing. So this year, oh my God. last year was <laughs> the year of Battle Royale. Uh, this year might be the year of auto chess <clears throat> if things go the way they're going. This is not what I thought auto chess was. And I thought auto chess was kind of stupid because I thought you weren't actually playing chess. I thought it was chess related. I guess it kind of is. It seems like a um, like an interesting form of Hearthstone, minus having magical powers and taking turns. It's just like, hey, here's a bunch of people to fight each other, and let's see what happens. It's interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's just crazy the games that are coming out these days. Like this is becoming a thing now. Like what the fuck? Yeah, I can't. So whenever it's too much for me, man. Whenever Team Fight Tactics came out, uh, the day of. Um, or a day after it came out, it had 200,000 concurrent viewers, which beat out Fortnite by about 60,000 viewers. And then um, it's, I mean, obviously League of Legends is always like near the top and everything, so that's to be expected. But Auto Chess, which is the game that this is based off of, uh, has had its all-time high of only 65,000 concurrent players, and that was back in March. So... Uh, I guess they just haven't gotten a big push from it, so that's why it never got big. But it's just crazy to see that that had sixty five thousand at its peak, and this one, like in a day, got two hundred thousand. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. So this this came out like last week, and it's hugely popular, and it basically has killed auto chess in like a second because people are now playing this and they're going to be behind it because it's a game that's made by a big company that's going to keep it updated. But then um, Valve turned around and brought out their open beta last week of Dota Underlords, which is their take on the auto chess game. And that hit 180,000 concurrent players that day, which tripled Artifact's all-time peak. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> that was interesting. Sorry, I just um, <laughs> artifacts. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. So they were able to like whip this to, in, into shape, um, and people were saying that this is what artifact. One of the re- most upvoted re- reviews said this is what artifact should have been uh, when this game came out. Wow. So people love auto chess, and I'm I'm like wow. Um, where did this come from? Out of nowhere. Like maybe I was sleeping, probably sleeping because I've never heard of auto chess. And all of a sudden in a few days, it took over the world by storm. And now it's the biggest thing on the internet. Um, so anyway, team fight tactics, Dota, overworld, underlords, sorry, overworld, underlords, same thing. Uh, those are the two big hot games right now on Twitch. And I bet they're going to stay up there for a while. I mean, it is what it is, I guess. It's just interesting. Doesn't seem like my kind of game. Seems pretty simple, like mechanics. Maybe. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at it and pick it up. I'm assuming it's free to play. I would not be surprised if it was like free to play stuff, just like League is. And then there's um, surprise mechanics that populate in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which the, we'll talk the, about later. The surprise <laughs> mechanics. Surprise! You're paying money. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Very so, cool. oh, I guess it's part of the game. It's not actually a separate game. It's like part of it. Um, it's a game mode inside League of Legends. So you have to be playing League of Legends to partake in said thing. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. Cool. So they're all about the life. All right. So that is that. Austin, you remember No Man's Sky game that we played and we didn't play because it was terrible and then we played it again and it was actually better, but then we never actually got into it. What? That doesn't sound like us. Yeah, that's exactly. Yes, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, you know, I give them a lot of credit because they stuck with it and made a game that fell on its face and was the biggest laughing sock forever. And then they worked and worked on it. Until Fallout 76, but maybe Fallout 76 will be the same way. And Anthem. Um, you know, they might follow in the same footsteps, you know, because if No Man's Sky is any example, they went from like a shitty game to a respected game to now No Man's Sky fans have crowdfunded a billboard message to thank the developer for their hard work on this game that's right outside of their studio or near their studio. So... No Man's Sky fans raised $4,800 to post a thank you message for Hello Games on a billboard outside the developer's office. They uh, raised it on GoFundMe, and it was started by Reddit user Cameron G. And um, it will also buy uh, lunch and beer for the development team after it concludes on July 14th because of the amount of money that it raised because it hit its initial target of $1,750 to pay for the billboard, and then they subsequently raised $6,000. And then all the extra stuff past the $4,800 is going to go to um, the Sydney Children's Hospital Foundation. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And basically, people are saying thank you like for keeping this game alive and pushing it forward and doing more and more to this. And Sean Murray went out and tweeted and said, our community has bought the billboard outside our office to say thank you. Oh, my God. And uh, he's he was he was very, you know, uh, humble about it. I was very excited. I mean, there's no other um, way to be <laughs> with this kind of response. Like, those are awesome fans. I don't know any fan <clears throat> for any game or community for any game that's done something like this, especially for them with all the turmoil and craziness that they've been through with this game, like to see this, yeah, I bet he was crying <laughs> for hours. I would, 
He's he's been this guy's been run through the ringer so much. I mean, like it's just it's just pa- kind of painful to look back on, especially the state of the game and what it was. <clears throat> um, man, this is you don't see this. This doesn't happen. Yep, three hundred thirty-four people have donated, and it is sitting at five thousand three hundred forty-three dollars as we speak. So, man, it's pretty cool. It's a neat little little project, and people are. People are donating five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars. A few of them are popping in fifty dollar donations, so that's really cool to see. Um, but yeah, it's just, a, it's just a neat thing to see people come around and people are talking about how like they play this game every day and they absolutely love it. So they've done a good deed. Uh, no Man's Sky did not die. Good job, Sean Murray and the team at Hello Games. Congratulations for for pulling it out and making magic happen. Something that we hope this next game can do. Anthem from Electronic Arts. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Another one of those games that has a lot of work to do. But if No Man's Sky is any example, maybe Anthem can follow suit. And CEO Andrew Wilson thinks that they can do this. Uh, game Informer has reported that Electronic Arts CEO states that they are committed to Anthem and that you know, after E3 being completely absent from that show and everything, um, they interviewed um, Andrew Wilson, Games Daily, actually chat with him and uh, was talking about this game. And is it done? Is it not done? And Andrew Wilson said, IP lives for generations and runs in seven to 10 year cycles. So if I think about Anthem on a seven to 10 year cycle, it may not have had the start that many of us wanted, including our players. I feel like the team is really going to get there with something special and something great because they've demonstrated that they can. Um, So he's basically saying that, yes, they probably will get there, but it sounds like he also doesn't know what they're going to do to get there, (laughs) but he's hopeful that they're going to get there. Yeah. The the Um, whole thing, uh, (laughs) because they've demonstrated that they can, I just don't. I don't like that comment. I don't like any of this comment. Like Anthem is so. I mean, it's probably like it's probably like it's nice that they actually delivered. I mean, the game and shipped yeah, it. Yeah, but now we're there. like, can you fix it? <laughs> Which just sucks. It. It's kind of been all uh, put on Bioware Austin's hands at this point for them to kind of come in and really clean house the way that they need to to make this game something and. I just can't imagine having to be in those shoes. And then you had, um, uh, I forgot his name, who who was on the EA, EA Play E3 uh, <clears throat> stage is talking about, you know, Anthem's oh, not yeah, dead and they're going to continue name. to work on it. And they're thankful of the fans for giving them all the feedback and they're going to try harder and stuff. And then you can see all the guys in the background like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> this game is complete shit. <laughs> complete shit. I yeah, I just don't see them pulling anything out of like they're not going to pull a, a rabbit out of a hat. I, I just feel like that's just long gone. <clears throat> yeah, and it's both it's on both sides. Like it's EA's fault and it's uh, Bioware's fault. And it's just I don't know if you can make anything out of this anymore. And, and there's no one there to play it. Yeah, I feel like you could. I mean, they can do it. If they bring out an update, it's like, look, guys, we're relevant, and here's why. Here's a new thing to look at. I mean, look at Fallout 76. That game was all but out of the question. And they said, nuclear winner, this battle royale now. And then suddenly, it, like people rushed to play it, and it 
got a new life. And there's people that are actually going to go out and buy the game because of that. Um, speaking of which, I got my canvas back the other day and it's sitting on the table right now. And I'm really excited that I finally got that damn thing. And I don't think I'm ever going to use it, but I got it. It came in. Bethesda delivered a whole <laughs> almost a year later. But anyway, oh, um, yes, but we're it talking just, about Bioware right now. Yeah, I just this is just all too common now with all these studios. Here's a game. It's playable. There's things to do in it. But, you know, just give us like 10 years and we'll make it something amazing. It's like, no, you know, for a few games to do that. OK, that's concerning, but it's not beyond uh, redemption, right? Like with Sean Murray and No Man's Sky. And, you know, he's done a good job, and that's great. And, I mean, it's it's less of, you know, PlayStation, and it's more of, you know, his company. But when you have EA, who already has a bunch of baggage on top of it, having them come back with this, it's like, how do you do that? And then from a business perspective, they've spent all this money. I understand why they're trying to keep this surviving, because they spent billions of dollars on this game, and they need it to be... You know, they need to get that return any way they can. And they might end up spending more money on it, which probably they will. It's just, <clears throat> I don't know. With reputation EA has, I don't see that big of a return if anything were to happen. I mean, maybe the core fans who kept up with it up to this point might return, but them bringing in new players, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Um so one of the things he also said in this story, the base around this idea was that um, their goal with Anthem, their ambition with Anthem was to let players experience its story focused gaming and the looter shooter mechanics in a shared world. And then he admitted that that's not really working very well. Um, and uh, he said that um, they had two player demographics that they were trying to bring together. One was traditional Bioware story driven content. So basically they want to bring in fans that love Bioware stories. And the other was the action adventure type content. So people that are into destiny loot shooters and things like that. And then about the 30 to 40 hour mark, they had to come together and start working in on the elder game. At that point, everyone kind of went, Oh, hang on a minute. Now the calculations off. So apparently they spent a lot of time on this like story driven kind of content, but didn't really think about what's going to happen after that fact, what that end game was going to look like and what it's going to do. And for me, like I don't even think they even delivered a strong enough story based game because it's, it's disjointed in the way that you want to play it. It's the same problem we have with Elder Scrolls Online where, you know, you go into a story and you're with your friends, but you have to watch a cutscene by yourself and then go back into the story I mean, I feel like every game has that problem, but they need to somehow figure out how to like put all the characters into the story together so that it feels like you're all there and not... I mean, I think Destiny does that. Like, Destiny puts all your characters into the cutscene, don't they? Or am I making that up? Okay, no, maybe say, I'm making that up. Time. Destiny, don't they put all the all of your characters that are playing that game into the cutscenes, or do they not? Uh, Not all the characters, no. No, I mean, like, all the characters playing the game. Oh, no, like, it's just the, the co-op. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like yeah, Halo. So nobody's really done that. Oh, not even Halo's done that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, there's Halo a, a did few. it. Did they do it in like ODST? Like that was like the only one I feel like that they. Yes. But I mean that did yeah. it. No, I don't even think they did that. <laughs> okay. There's a few anyway. games that have. I I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah. So he said that the promise of was that we can play together and that's not working very well. So he was thinking that 
some players were expecting 100 hours of story, while others were hoping for advancement on games like Destiny. So they tried to put these two things into one world and then ended up failing and falling apart. I don't... I feel like the problem is they just didn't do enough to like encourage people to stay together in these game worlds as they're experiencing the story. Like the story part does not integrate the 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 squad play together. Like they should be an entire like four players should be part of the story that you're going on a journey with, not one person. So not like go out in the world, fight off a bunch of bad guys, and then come to this hub world where you then encounter the story that's your story. I feel like that was where they screwed up is it should have been you go out and fight all these bad guys, come back, and then you have a story that has all your guys in there, and it's all about a group. Or it could be one person, but it should be like more group-focused rather than this is your story, you Anthem player, you legend, you. And <laughs> instead, you they guardian. did not make it that way. Sorry. And, uh, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> so... We'll see if they can turn it around down the line. Um, I want it to be a good game. Like, honestly, I've, I'm, I'm one of those ones, kind of like I was a Sea of Thieves, where I was a big proponent of Sea of Thieves. And I was like, I want this game to succeed. I think this game is really good and has a lot of potential, and I want it to succeed. And here we are a year later, and we're back to playing it again. And it may have done that. Uh, I'm hoping Anthem can do the same. If they just have a team focused on just making it really, really good and listen to the feedback from the community, Maybe they can somehow pull magic out of their butthole and make something cool happen. So, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Best they can hope for. Yep. And last story we have of the day, Assassin's Creed Odyssey has a story creator that just recently released where you can go around and, uh, you know, make your own adventures. So you have these tools that let you create the game that you can use in the game. And it has a 157 page manual that tells you how to do the stuff. And what you can do then is craft up your story, make it, release it to the world, and then people can go in and play it. And they show up as different icons on the map. So you see these little blue quest markers that show up. And these are custom quests made by the players. So you go to them and you can do some fights, do out some stories, et cetera, et cetera. But what a lot of people have chosen to do, which if you go back to a video that we released on our YouTube channel, page youtube.com slash gamer you can see uh, a video release about level grinding in odyssey in which it seemed like it took a long time to grind and get new levels unless you gave the money so what they've done here is players have gone out and made their own quests that allow you to not have to do that and so you can farm to get xp or xp in cash quickly and effortlessly and almost basically for nothing so you can like rank up Super, super fast. I find that hilarious. So like the problem that has existed since the game launched in a way um, has now been fixed due to community jumping in and fixing the problem for them and saying, hey, look at this. We're we're going to make this happen. It's creative for the devs. But I mean, I I, I guess it's neither here or there. It's it's, it's sweet and sour all at the same time. It It shouldn't have been like this. But on the other hand, you know, they gave the community the tools to fix it themselves, which they shouldn't have done. I feel like that should have been fixed already. But I think, again, uh, well, I mean, that wasn't I, the intention of the tools. The intention of the tools is just like, hey, you can come in here and create story quests, have fun. And then what they did was like, okay, well, we're going to use the story quest tools that you gave us to like allow us to get more XP without having to pay for it. Right, right. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they did a good so, job. Uh, community's done a good job to fix their game. But I mean, again, with modding in general, I mean, it is modding. Uh, <laughs> you see that a lot. You see people fixing the game the way they think it should have been played to begin with or fi- should have been made to begin with. And um, I, it's great for the community. Like, it's something that I might even jump back into this because that was like one of the big reasons why I kind of stayed away from Odyssey. Uh, I mean, obviously, looks good, plays good, but I don't want to sit for 12 hours just trying to rank up a few levels just to get to another mission. Um, yeah. Is this something you think well, you jump into, Brett? Make a make a mission? I'm not going to make a mission. No, I don't have time to do that stuff. <laughs> like, I want to play, make coasters and plant a coaster. But, oh, I mean, right. I would jump that's into right. it and play it so I can speed up a little bit. Yeah, but it sounds like, according to Kotaku, that... Um, this is here for now, but because they want to sell money or make money and uh, sell XP boosts and stuff like that in the cash shop, this might be something that they put a stop on and they yeah, might be like, dang. nope, you can't XP boost this stuff because we still want to make money off y'all. Wow. So we'll see. Wow. We'll see if that changes. But <laughs> hopefully not. Well, I hope they listen to the community, but they won't. I know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But... Uh, it's pretty cool. I might, I mean, I'd like to check it out just to see what you can do with it, but I'm more inclined to do the Wargroove, um, uh, map editor cause it's less simpler. It's pixels and oh, stuff. Sure. I like oh, that. Sure. Yeah. So, or go in dreams, and just make myself a game. Um, I could do that as well. So anyway, if y'all want to watch these videos in video formats, check them out at youtube.com slash gamer and subscribe and bang that bell to get these videos as they come out. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our discussion topic with more electronic arts about quote unquote surprise mechanics. I hope you're excited for this because I know I am. <laughs> you're listening to the inner gamer. Each week, we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry, and this week, we are here to talk about everybody's favorite thing to extremely aggravate themselves with, and that is EA. See what I did there? See what I did there? Extremely aggravate, and it's EA. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. Austin's not laughing. You're not laughing. Okay, there you go. Very good. Ah, there we go. There we go. Cue the laughter. That was that was the laugh track that I just turned on of Austin's laughter. Uh, anyway, so as we all know, uh, EA right now is just always in the news for something, one thing or another. If it's not them talking about loot boxes, it's them talking about, you know, the lack of games that they produce or subscription services or the fact that they make lots of money but d- don't, like, pay their people or just all the things that they like to do or the fact that they repeat like the same game over and over again every year and just uh, rinse and repeat kind of deal or which I mean, like the worst video game company or company in America or some title of like you are the worst literally the worst yeah unfortunately they are like the second largest com- video game company in the world too which really sucks but oh, man. that's another thing but uh, anyway, in this discussion, we're going to talk a little bit about what's been recently happening in the news. Uh, you've probably seen videos on this. If you watch Yong Yeah, you've seen a video that uh, he's done. And then um, if you look Joe. at uh, Angry Joe, he's done some stuff on it. Uh, we're referencing specifically an article from Kotaku uh, by Nathan Grayson in which uh, he highlights essentially what went down during this discussion that happened at the UK Parliament's 
Digital Culture, Media, and Sport Committee uh, a couple of days ago by the time you listen to this podcast. And in this, they brought out EA's Carrie Hopkins. And now Carrie Hopkins is the VP of the Vice President of Legal and Government Affairs. And uh, she had a lot of things to say in defense of her company that she's representing here. Ah. Um, and uh, in it, uh, Scottish National Party uh, MP, whatever MP stands for, I'm not exactly sure, but Scottish National Party person, Brennan O'Hara, said that evidence suggests a close link between loot boxes and gambling, especially among adolescents. And uh, she starts off by saying, we don't call them loot boxes. Uh, we refer to them as, quote, surprise mechanics. Ah. And uh, if anybody watched uh, Yang Ya's video, he proceeded to showcase how um, multiple times on Twitter and Facebook and various social media outlets, um, after the scrutiny of Battlefront 2, in which they released loot boxes that were pay-to-win mechanics inside of them um, and got scrutiny for them and had to pull them out of their game. They many times have referenced thereafter that this game is coming out on said dates and this game will not include loot boxes or microtransactions of any kind. Huh. Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So... Now she's saying, oh, by the way, we don't ever call them that. We call them surprise mechanics. Um, <laughs> and that's boxes. interesting. What is a loot box? We have surprise <sighs> mechanics because surprise, we're taking your fucking money. Yeah, I still feel like it's, it's still a surprise and it's an unhappy surprise, but her reference is really funny. So she was like, <laughs> and this is a direct quote uh, from what she said during the thing. She said, if you go to... I don't know what your version of Target is. Um, I think Target's in more than one country. I'm pretty certain. But uh, she said that if you go to your version of Target, a uh, store that sells lots of toys, which I also don't think that they sell lots of toys in, you know, like Toys R Us sells a lot of toys. Target has a toy section, but whatever. And she said, you do a search for surprise toys. Again, she's assuming that you go to Target and largely purchase things online as opposed to, like, you don't go into Target and do a search for surprise toys. You go and say, hey, where's your toys at or your toy section? And, and I, don't th I feel like if you ask the worker at Target, hey, can you show me your surprise toys aisle? <laughs> they would probably look at you like you're an idiot. <laughs> like, I, would, yes. I would honestly say that. It's like, what the heck are you talking about, lady? I don't know. Um, we'll, anyway, we'll take your so, credit card now. And then when you look at your, you know, your statement, you'll be surprised. <laughs> Yeah, Target's like, oh, I got some surprise toys for you. Here, what's your Venmo? Okay, can you, uh, I'm going to request you $500. Okay, there you go. Surprise. Um, send me that money. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, she went on to say that what you'll find if you search for surprise toys is something that people enjoy. They enjoy surprises. And so it's something that's been part of toys for years, whether it's Kinder Eggs or Hatchimals or LOL surprise. We do think the way that we have implemented these kinds of mechanics in FIFA, which of course is our big one, our FIFA ultimate team and our packs is actually quite ethical and quite fun, enjoyable to people. Now, I don't know where anybody got the idea that the act of clicking a button to open a box is fun. You don't do it for the act of doing that, but like clicking that button, you do it because you want something good inside of it. It's not fun to engage in that action. It's fun 
to get something and brag to your friends, hey, look at this badass skin I got. But if you don't get it, that wasn't a fun experience. That wasn't an enjoyable experience. That was a fucked up experience. Mm-hmm. You wasted your money. That's basically what it You wasted means. your money. But then you go back and do it again because they know that you're vulnerable and you're going to do it because not because it's fun, but because it's addictive. Just like drugs. It is, it is, it is addictive. You get that dopamine rush and you didn't get what you want, so you want it again. At least when you go to the store, and yes, I've seen these surprise toys where like you can get any one of these five uh, you know, figures or whatever they're putting in there you know, uh, in the set if you buy this. And so... Obviously, you have to take it to the front, buy it, and then you're most likely going to leave before you open it. Or maybe you open it, depending you know how old you are. You might just like open it immediately, like Pokemon cards. You know, That's what we used to do. You open them and see, like, oh, look at all this stuff I just got. Yeah, it might not be that great, but I mean, it was cool. But it doesn't mean that you're automatically going to rush back into the store and do it again, hoping you get something else, right? There's like this disconnect, this separation that you get to leave from going to the store to going to home and you know being satisfied or not being satisfied with a button you can just click it over and over over again and that is literally gambling technically i mean that's what you do when you go to the casino you do something over and over again hoping you're gonna get something really awesome by putting money in the machine <clears throat> and it is different in the sense that they're actually giving you some sort of return where here's some digital items right that you may or may not want. Well, obviously in the casino that they're just going to keep her money until you get the big jackpot or you get something back, you know? Um, and I mean, I don't, yeah, just <laughs> they're grasping at straws, man. They've lost it. Like, yeah. They have nothing and else like, to, they, they have nothing. This is all shit. And like in relationship to, you know, her example was like these kinder, kinder eggs and these hatchimals. Like when you go and buy these toys that have a surprise inside of them, you know that when you purchase that, the surprise you're going to get, it may not be exactly the color you wanted, but you know what's going to be in it. You know it's going to be this little toy figurine or you know it's going to be, in the case of the Hatchimals, a little little animal character that comes out of it. Like you know that's what you're going to get. Sometimes you open a loot box and you get a thing that you've already gotten. You get a duplicate or you get a thing that's, oh, you got more common coins or credits or whatever, or you got a skin that you don't give two shits about. Like, so you're not always getting something you enjoy. And now granted, you know, it's like Hatchimals or whatever. Like you could get the same animal twice. Like that's fair. But you know, going into it that there is that potential, but that's the one potential. Otherwise you're going to get something new and you're paying the amount for that thing. That's worth like, you know, that in this box is going to be a little thing that is worth that investment to you because you're paying ten dollars, you know you're gonna get a figurine, that's it. In this case, you're paying, you know, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever it is to unlock all these loot boxes. You don't know what you're gonna get out of it. Um, you could get shit, you could get something cool. And it could go from like something that to you is worth thirty cents to something that's worth like fifteen dollars or whatever. But you don't know. And that's what makes it different. It's like there's there's a monetary value to what's monetary value to what's in the Hatchimals, to what's in these Kinder eggs, to what's in even when you go to like Comic Con, you have those like surprise boxes that you buy for fifty dollars or seventy dollars. Like, you know that there's gonna be like seventy dollars worth of stuff around this theme inside there, but you don't with the loot boxes. Like, you're getting digital items that could be worth nothing. 
I mean, it, they are worth nothing. You can't sell them. There's no market. I think Steam's only market where you can actually sell certain items for actual tangible cash. So they actually have some sort of actual value to them. While, you know, some of these loot boxes that you're talking about when you go to the conventions, like they're actual tangible things that you could sell to somebody if you wanted to and actually potentially make more money. So literally, you're buying nothing and you're hoping for something in return that you find and value. So it kind of is like going to the casino where like you're just giving in money, hoping to get something back. And the potential of getting that back is actually higher at a casino than you would at these stupid loot boxes. And we're getting to the point where... I, I'm I I think this is the last nail in the coffin where loot boxes are are coming out as something that is very dangerous to younger you know children and younger adults even teenagers because <clears throat> I, I we don't know the effects of all of this just yet it's so new it's so rampant um, and again we've said in the past you know we en- we enjoy the games market because it's a true free market. We get to do outcry, but it comes to the point where sometimes we may need some regulation. As much as I don't want regulation in the game industry, I think this will really help if we can get on that path, as some countries have already done it, as stated in this article. And then you have, here in the UK, they're already looking at it. And it's nice to finally see someone put some pressure on these people, because we've been doing it. We've been, you know, the fans, the gamers, we've been doing all this outcry, and nothing has really changed other than Battlefront, I feel like. Like, the gaming industry is still trying to, or these gaming companies are still trying to figure out a way to manipulate us to accept these loot boxes. And I, honestly, we have been accepting them. I mean, I bought Apex loot boxes because, well, I wanted to support Apex for being such a good game, but at the same time, like, I, I don't need to be doing that. No one needs to be doing But you that. had fun with that. I mean, you had I fun did. with that, didn't you? But that's that's the whole point. Like, oh, look well, you're at not this. supposed to. No, <laughs> oh, you just supported her argument, man. You're not supposed to say yes. I mean, no, you get that a dopamine rush of you know all this fancy stuff, and I, I totally, I'm part of the problem. Like, I get, admit it. Like, all people fall into these traps, and it, it's become such commonplace. It's just kind of like it's just now what it is, and that's what's really kind of terrifying if you think about it. And I, I'm hoping again that this spares spurs actions to take place across the world to to even ban loot boxes. Um, and then it's going to be funny to see what gaming companies do when you have all this cash uh, just dry up within you know weeks or months or whatever. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I I mean like. So you say that you enjoy the act of opening the box and getting, whether it's good or not, you just enjoy that act of opening it. Yeah, it's it's fun to see like, oh, am I going to get, it's anticipation, like what am I going to get? You know? Gotcha. And I've had that experience with Pokemon cards. It's like I'm opening Pokemon cards, what am I going to get? You know? Oh, well, yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, I guess I think some people have that from as a child. And then coming up now, and it's just so easy as an adult to get these things too. Like the guy who was playing FIFA, uh, I think it was a Kotaku article, and uh, you know he spent, I think, somewhere near like twenty five thousand dollars American money on loot boxes in a year or something like that. Something super ridiculous, and it's like, how is that even possible? 
<clears throat> for them to not acknowledge that this is an actual issue and say that there's no evidence to back it up, I just feel like they're lying, outright lying. Yeah, I. <clears throat> it's possible. It is possible. I. Uh, I don't personally find it like enjoyable in my mind. Like I enjoy it obviously when I open it up because I got something good. But when I don't get something good, I'm like, okay, this pisses me off. I'm not going to do it again. And typically I don't do it again. Like if I don't get something that I really want, then I'm not like, it's not worth my time. Like I haven't bought a loot box in Overwatch ever. And I still haven't bought one in Apex Legends yet. Um, and I likely won't buy them ever in those things because that's not enjoyable to me. I don't want to spend money in the hopes that I get something out of it. But I mean, it definitely is an addicting, addictive thing. And she says that, you know, in this, she's basically referencing that people love these surprises and they enjoy that. It's, and it's not, it's not necessarily fun for them. I mean, maybe it is. Sure. I mean, if you think it's fun, it's fun. More power to you, I guess. But it is taking advantage of our weaknesses as people and our weakness in addiction and short-term enjoyment. And I read this book one time um, called The Power of Habit um, by, uh, I think it's Stephen Duhigg, I believe is his name. His last name is Duhigg, Charles Duhigg. Um, and in it, he talked about two different things. And one of those things was a woman, uh, This is these are true stories, um, a woman, her name was Angie Bachman, who um, got addicted to gambling so much so that she like basically lost all the money for her family then like got so far in debt because she was on such a winning streak that she was got it enjoyed it and got super into like getting winning 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 and getting more and more and then she got too far into it that then she started losing a lot and it became an addiction and they said is that like what should be weighted worse the fact that she ruined her family financially by gambling or somebody going out and killing somebody because you end somebody's life, but their life is over. But in this case, you kind of really damage somebody's life by taking all their money that they've worked so hard to build. And like, you know, how do you, how do you look at that? And should the gambler be at fault or should the people that instigate the gambling be at fault? And, you know, some people in these days, like in the gambling world, like they lean towards the gambler because it's like, well, you shouldn't have gambled. But she is a victim of pathological gambling, which through cue, routine and reward elements, this habit formed around her and habits are the hardest things to break. Once you get a habit in your ingrained in yourself, like that's why obesity exists. That's why drug addiction exists. That's why alcoholism exists. That's why there's now gaming addiction that's recognized as a problem. Like these things exist because you formed a habit around it and you're doing it so consistently that you don't really, you've lost that sense of choice a little bit because it's so ingrained in your daily life, life that you don't imagine or remember what it was like before that in exactly. a way. Let me kind of... Uh, explain my 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 comment earlier it's not it's not fun it's exciting because there there is a game loop where you know they put all the you know for apex you know they put a lot of cool skins on a harder you know it's obviously going to be less rare or it's going to be more rare to get these skins and in a lot of these games they or mini games 
they want people to you know feel unique you know especially if you're in a multiplayer game like you want people to right. recognize you and be that you know make yourself unique everybody wants to stand out from everybody else and so to do that like they tie these unique looking skins to <clears throat> the loot box which become you know very rare uh, drops and so that gets that cycle and it's like well if i get that awesome skin i've been waiting for you know it's gonna make me feel good you know i'll be happy and i can go in there it's gonna make my you know experience better and that could be debatable and you know if they just outright just sell the skin i don't think we'd have such a problem right now you know what i mean yeah i think if you just like straight up buy it yeah. but then at that point it's like it loses in a way, it does kind of lose the the fun, I guess, because if you can just buy it, everybody's going to buy the coolest looking skin, and everybody's like the 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 status symbol has gone away at that point. Exactly. Because unless they make it like five thousand dollars, then it's just like whoever has the most money can get the best looking skin. Right. And in this case, the randomization of it, yeah, I mean, the more you buy into it, the more chances you get of getting it. But it also, um supply and demand it makes it more scarce because it's limited in those packs and only a certain number of people are allowed to get them by purchasing many many things so by making like you know having the scarcity of an item it makes it sought after and then it creates a sense of like you want to be that social status symbol in your community of like hey look at what i got i'm really cool i'm a cool kid now because i got this thing and they tap into that desire that people have of uh, wanting that attention. And they do it through loot boxes. It's crazy. Yep. Um, I mean, it's all psychological. Like, they, this is very thought out. It's very, I mean, there's studies, you know, that can tie Remember that South together. Park episode? Freaking Canada. Remember that South Park episode? Freaking Canada had that, like, secret room where they're, like, plotting to destroy everybody using microtransactions inside mobile games. Right, right. You don't remember that? No, I do. Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna have more of a response to that. Sorry, like, you, you cut yeah, out. I, I exactly just it. I know what you're talking about, but you cut out, so I don't know what you said. <laughs> I know you oh, said the, gotcha. the Canada episode. Yeah, I remember the Canada episode. Yeah. No, where they were talking about the, uh, you know, they they had Timmy running around, you know, selling that that app and or like getting people to like buy into that app and just play it, and they start playing and they get sucked into the microtransaction loop mm-hmm. and they start spending all their money and it just destroys society. It's like. That's what they're doing. They're freaking that Canadians. Actually, brings up a good point. It's all started with mobile apps, and now it's it's coming to yeah. actual gaming. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, I guess, for better or worse, it, it's really changed gaming. And I, it, I think it's for the worse because now everyone's well, focused so on the money. Anyway, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say back to the the um, the conference. Another thing that she said when we were talking about gambling extensively just now, she said that, quote, we also disagree that there's evidence that shows it leads to gambling. Um, however, obviously, there's been evidence that shows that countries like Belgium and Netherlands, both of which have banned randomized loot boxes and gambling laws. Uh, but she said those decisions were rooted in the laws of each land, and EA doesn't agree with them. <laughs> although it has made changes in those regions to comply with their laws. So she's like, well, we don't agree with Belgium and the Netherlands. They're dumb. Basically what she's saying in my mind, but they're not gambling at all. And uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, I guess it's true about the addiction part of it. Like you do, I mean, she did say the packs, the surprise, that's fun for people. They like earning the packs, opening the packs, building the teams, trading the teams. I mean, what they like is, 
like you said, they like that that anticipation. It's kind of like when you you plan a trip to go somewhere. The most exciting part of that trip planning or of that trip is likely going to be the planning process, like the excitement and anticipation of it's coming up. Oh man, where are we going to go? Oh, this place looks so cool. We should totally go here. No, let's go here. Let's do this. Let's do that. And you make this list and you spend all this time. And that's like really long tail enjoyment because you're doing this over a course of like, you know, what could be six months leading up to that five day trip. Right. And then the five days come and go. And then you're like, okay, well now the excitement's gone. (laughs) But part of the reason you do vacation is because you build up that anticipation for so long to lead to that climax. And then, bam, it hits you and you're really excited. And that's what they're tapping into. Is I mean, it's the same with you're saving money to buy something, you know? You, you're waiting this whole time. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. awesome. You buy it. And then you may have buyer's remorse. But, you know, the great thing about something tangible you buy at the store is that you can return it. You can't return any of these, you know, loot boxes. I mean, it's one and done. That's true, too. That's another good point is that none of this can be returned. So if you have a purchase that you're up ha- uh, upset with, you're screwed. And that's bullshit. That's that's. I'd be like, visual. I want my money back, so I didn't get it. Yeah. But if you get Pokemon cards you don't like, you could go to Target and be like, or our version of Target, and uh, <laughs> and you can go in there and be like, hey, I don't want these Pokemon cards anymore. Why don't you want them? Well, because I didn't get the card I wanted. And Target <laughs> would say, okay, they'll probably give it back to you I and give you the money back because Target has a very lax return policy. I don't know if that would work, actually. I feel like that's Dude, I saw a lady walk into Target one day, and she literally came in. There were 12 cans of soda pop, or like soda, that I guarantee you she bought at Walmart for a dollar a piece, and she went in and returned them, and they didn't ask for a receipt, and they gave her full credit for it, or full money back, in cash. Not store credit, in cash. Wow. If she can do that, they will totally give you money back for your Pokemon cards. Because their goal is just like, how can we get them out of here as fast as possible without creating a scene? Because, you know, it's $5 for a card. They're making billions of dollars, like, left and right. So they're fine with doing that. Man. Um, Yeah. Well, then I believe it. (laughs) I believe it. No, it's crazy. Yeah. If I hadn't seen that one day, but I literally was, like, waiting in line because she was arguing with the lady at the counter, like, no, I bought these here. I just don't have my receipt, okay? Give me the money for them. And I'm like, you have 12 packs, like, 12 cans of Coke. You could have bought anywhere in this Metroplex. And here you're like, no, I bought them here, so give me the money. I guarantee you, like, she probably like went to Walmart, got them for a dollar a piece because they're on sale, and then went over there, and they gave her like you know four or five dollars a pop for them, so she made like twenty bucks, thirty bucks just for going in there arguing with somebody for a little bit. Wow, freaking crazy! I mean, that's how you make money, I guess. <laughs> we don't condone that actions, those actions. No, definitely don't do that. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I kind of look at it like uh, Christmas time you know, you get all excited for Christmas presents and you get them. And then really we, sh- you know, you know, who's the blame here. It's not the mobile apps. We need to blame Santa Claus. It's Santa Claus's fault, man. Is it really? Santa Claus oh, is to blame. No, yeah. Santa Claus. No, we need to, we need to sue Santa Claus. No. He took, he, he ruined everything for everybody. He started this addiction early on. And was like, kids, you're going to be good or else you're going to get a lump of coal for Christmas. But you're also going to get presents. And when you open those presents, you don't know what you're going to get. I hope you get what you wanted. But if you were a bad kid, you may not exactly get what you wanted. But I dictate it. Santa Claus is EA. That's my my <laughs> prediction. 
Uh, he's giving lumps of clothes left and right. Lumps of clothes is what it sounded like he said. That'd be funny if he's giving lumps of clothes. Yeah. Lumps of coal. That'd be hilarious. Lumps of coal. Let me pronunciate. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, for me, it's just EA. EA is so back and forth. Like, I feel like they're starting to get to the point where they're, they're going out of their way to, you know, save face with everything they're doing. And it's starting, it's, it's almost like they're putting words in gamers' mouths because they're like, oh, no, no, no. This whole entire time you've been telling us that we got loot boxes. No, 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 you're wrong. Like, that's not loot boxes. Let me tell you what you should be saying. Let's change the narrative. You should be saying surprise mechanics, okay? Exactly. Oh, no, no. You said you like story-based games. You like single-player. No, no, no. You that That's not right. That's gone. You don't like story <laughs> games. You like... You like multiplayer games, so we're going to give you multiplayer games. that We know what you want. And then, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, now we're coming back, and this year we're bringing out a game that's Star Wars game, and it has no loot box uh, surprise mechanics. It has no surprise mechanics, and it has a story campaign. See, we know what you guys want. Jeez. We got it. Even though two years ago we said you didn't want it, now we know. We, we got this. You don't, you don't have to tell us what you want. It's just a bunch of bullshit. It is a bunch so of crazy. It's just marketing. They're trying to make the most money possible. And that has become, well, that's been their, you know, uh, MO this whole, for a very long time. And it's, it's finally coming to a point where I think things might change, but only time will tell. And I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but one of the, there's a representative from Epic there for Fortnite. And he was basically on the same level as EA. So cross the board, we got, we got scumbags. Okay. Yeah, scumbags. Just what what happened to the games, Brett? Like, I feel like everyone in Europe are making high quality games. Like, if you think about it, a lot of the awesome uh, single story player games are coming from from Europe or that side of the world. Yeah. Well, Electronic Arts is technically not a foreign company or not a American company. The CEO is an Australian. Interesting. Um, yeah, but so wasn't it started here? Let's blame Australia. Oh yeah, it was started here. Yeah, but that's, that's what I'm saying. The, the demise of EA started with an Australian. No, no offense to Australia, but <laughs> right, right. Just one of your boys. But yeah, no, evil. it was it was founded <laughs> in California. It was actually founded by a former uh, Apple employee. Oh, there you go. And then he went and started Electronic Arts. But I mean, a long time ago, Electronic Arts was great. Like they started out awesome. Like I really, really appreciate them. And they they grew and grew and did some really great things. And like I was looking at the timeline. Um, you know, in, let's see. So back in 2007, well, throughout the era, like you had Trip Hopkins, Hawkins, who started the company. 1990, 1982 was when it started until 1990. And then he stepped down. Larry Probst came in for nine years and ran the company. And they continue to expand onward until 2007. John Richatello came in and then took over until 2013. And then in 2013, he left, and then Andrew Wilson stepped up to take over. And then since he took over, Andrew Wilson, here's what's happened. Initially, right when he took over, he dismissed 10% of the workforce, consolidated their marketing functions, which were distributed amongst many, many labels. And then uh, he went on to uh, get the Star Wars license from Disney and then proceeded to cancel multiple Star Wars games internally that never were released until Battlefront came out, which had a shitty situation. And then they brought out battlefront two, which had pay to win mechanics. Then in 2015, they had all these free to play games like battlefield heroes and battlefield play for free and need for speed world. And they canceled all those. He was like, no, 
There's no loot boxes in the surprise mechanics. They're not here, so we need to shut these down. And then they came back with like all the like everything that they've done in this like from then till now has not been that great. Like even Battlefield has suffered since 2013. Like nothing's been good since this guy's been in in office. No, no, he's business oriented, and you definitely have to find you know uh, the medium between art and business. And I get that you know, in order for these game companies to be successful, and you know be competitive in the marketplace is to have some business behind them. But this is what happens when you go too much one way. You know, we got to come back. That's why I'm thinking, uh, that's what I've been saying since (laughs) last year is that these game companies need to just go away. Like they need to crumble. They've gotten too big and they're not doing anything good for us. They're making, they're hurting gamers and we just need these, any game companies to come up, and you know, show show us the light again. And I think we've been seeing yeah. that. It's it's been a slow process, but we've been seeing that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting too? Uh Andrew Wilson came on twenty thirteen. That same year Battlefield Four was released. So he was not a part of Battlefield Four's creation because he came on after the fact. And ever since then, you know what we've had? Battlefield Hardline. Battlefield One and Battlefield Five. So this guy he's is just like, making stuff that he wants. And just, then... He's just destroyed everything. <laughs> he doesn't know how to count. Oh, he geez. goes from Battlefield Four to Battlefield Hardline to Battlefield One to then back to Battlefield Five, but with a V instead of a five. Dude's crazy. I mean, obviously he had nothing to do with that, but I don't know. I just I feel like he's at the root of a lot of this these problems. Like if you look at the history of of this company. Like a lot of it has gone downhill since he took the helm. And I think they just need to oust Andrew Wilson and they'd be good. Well, it's a start. I don't know if they'd be good, but it's a start. It's the right, right direction. Yep. Put him on a path. Put him on oh, a path man. to victory. What an article, man. What an article. I know. Times we live I in. know. Yep. But, uh, and then the last thing she said, which I think is really funny, is that I don't think we can agree to say that games are addictive. I would tell you that Electronic Arts already is a very responsible company. <laughs> That's a nice way to cap it off. Uh, let's just in there, man. That's all we need. That's all you need. That's all you need. So on that note, if y'all have any feedback on this conversation, feel free to let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, a lot of you are probably going to say that we're idiots. But I don't care because I think we're not idiots. I think that these loot boxes are a bunch of bullshit and that surprise mechanics are not ethical. But if you disagree, let us know why you disagree. Let us know why you continue to spend thousands of dollars for loot boxes to get a digital skin. I would love to hear it. And if you just like loot boxes, I mean, let us know. You know, I'm, I'm down to hear it. I'm down to hear it. Um, and if you have any questions on this segment or want to contribute to next week's segment, visit theinnergamer.net and drop us a line. We would love to hear more from you. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our video game releases. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to next week, let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. On June 27th, we have a game called The Sinking City coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and Epic Game Store. I would say PC, but if it's on the Epic Game Store, it is not on PC. (laughs) It is on 
the Epic Games Store. That's right. So Brett. this was going to be coming out on Steam, but then they decided to post an update on March 20th and say, sorry, we're not going to do that. But anyway, this is an action adventure, an action adventure and investigation game set in an open world inspired by HP Lovecraft, the master of horror. The half-submerged city of Oakmont is gripped by supernatural forces. You're a PI, and you have to uncover the truth of what has possessed the city and the minds of its inhabitants. Secret, it is probably Epic Games and EA. Uh, it's got an impressive atmosphere and story inspired by the universe of HP Lovecraft, a vast open world that you can explore by foot, boat, or in a diving suit. High replay value thanks to its open investigation system, an arsenal of weapons from the 1920s, and you can manage your mental health to untangle, untangle the truth behind the madness of downloading on the Epic Game Store. And then on the 28th of June, we have Super Mario Maker 2 on the Switch. This is coming out for everybody for $59.99. This is a game in which you can make your own Mario levels. It's exclusive for the Nintendo 64. There is a single player story mode where you can play built-in courses to rebuild Princess Peach's castle. Make your own courses alone or together. And with the online membership, share your courses and access a nearly endless supply of courses made by others. And then there's also a side-scrolling Mario adventure that unleashes the creative potential of Mario Maker 2 in the story mode with a hundred built-in courses. And you have all the parts and stuff to make all the things you want. If you want coin shooting cannons, Bowser riding on a giant Goomba, like all of those things are possible. And then if you want to do it cooperatively, you can pass a Joy-Con controller to a partner and build cooperatively on a single system. How cool is that, Austin? It's the coolest. So cool. All right, and with that, that's going to wrap our show this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. Visit TheInnerGamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. If you want to support the show, you can donate on our website at TheInnerGamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast videos and events even better. You can also join in on the conversation on our Discord channel. Check out the show notes for that link. I'm Awesome Morales. I am Brett Yanoski. That was weird, Brett. And you've been listening to the Intergamer Podcast, guys. We'll catch you next week. Thank you. I got this. I got the music queued right now. It's playing right now. Do you hear that music? It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I want to play Rocket League after this for a little bit before I get back to work. The Inner Gamer. Welcome to the Inner Gamer. Why? We are, are the Inner Gamer Podcast. What, what is this? What is this, Brad? Brought to you by Electronic Arts. <laughs> we suck your souls. All right. That makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> so dark, man. So dark. Nine. Uh, Nine. All right. Three. Nine. Two. Nine. Hit <laughs>
Nine. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Three, two, one. And welcome back. I'm Austin Morales. That's Brighton Oski. And we're going to jump into the news segment now. And I'm just fucking around. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> uh, that's funny. 